At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. All right, guys, I told you we'd have a podcast. I am on holiday this week, but I squeezed in some time to get all this done. I recorded two interviews last week just because I knew this was, was coming so I could get a podcast out the week I was on holiday. So right now I'm doing this while I'm, I'm just chilling out. I'm just having a bit of a break here, sitting down and relaxing. But we got a great podcast for you. Something I don't think we've touched on yet on the podcast is closed loop water treatment. So we got a couple guys on the podcast that know a lot about this. We have Garrett Celesto and Darren Wilkinson, right? Darren did us a special favor. He stayed up real late because he's out of the UK. You'll hear that when we get into this, the, the discussion here. And Garrett and Darren will also fill you in on kind of their roles in the industry, what they do. And we're going to talk about a very cool product, okay? It's called the X-Pot. Now, the X-Pot is used in and closed loop water treatment. You're going to hear more about that during the podcast and it might be a viable solution for some of you guys out there that are into boilers, chillers, anything hydronic, right? So we're going to get to that right now, guys. This is the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. Welcome to the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. Recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC. From storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. Garrett and Darren, we are we are on. So how, how are you guys doing tonight? Um, Garrett, I'm going to give you the, I'm going to let you lead that off because you're the one that put this together for us. Okay. So I appreciate that. And uh we let, let, let's roll here man we have something cool to talk about yeah tonight you know i want to talk to you about the closed loop uh hydronic filtration um and in water treatment um you know i i come from a industry of hvac just like you um however i'm kind of a I'm a little bit of a uh albatross a little bit of a rare bird um i started off as a technician it all started about 20 years ago when i met a girl and her dad did hvac and he wanted the guy that was dating his daughter to have a decent living, have a decent job. So I started working for her dad and her grandfather, um, ended up getting into the business and working, uh, for one of the largest mechanical contractors in Western Pennsylvania in the Pittsburgh area. And, um, as a service technician for commercial, uh, mainly light and, uh, and medium sized commercial work later on joined the local union and, and got in with a, even larger mechanical contractor uh, as a service technician and uh, was given an opportunity about oh, about 15 years ago that I couldn't turn down. I always had a need to get into sales. And I know some of the podcasts you've done recently had talked about sales and commercial sales at that. So I had an opportunity to make that jump and it was a big leap. And um, I made that jump and did it for about 13 and a half years. And then about three years ago, I made one other leap 
on an opportunity to become a manufacturer's rep, which I didn't know when that would come uh, in my career. I always kind of thought I'd eventually get into that type of line of work. Um, I did. And I started with a company called Emerson Swan. Uh, Emerson Swan is a very large manufacturer's representative. Uh, we cover most of New England, uh, most of the Northeast of the United States, inclusive of Toronto, Canada. Um, we're owned by a company called the Swan Group, and it's still family owned and operated since 1932. So it's really a, a cool company to be part of. Uh, we get to see a lot of different stuff, mainly all hydronic based. Um, so now I get to work for my old contractor that I used to work for. And I get to work for all the other great contractors in my region as well, almost as if I'm a consultant. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. So you're you're following um, your father-in-law's um, dream of having having a son-in-law that has a, a good job in, in, in a good industry. <laughs> um, Darren, we have to thank you. A special thanks to you because did you did you stay up or did you have a nap and then wake up for the podcast? No, no, I just pushed. I just pushed through um, wow. for, for the podcast. Animal. So I'll uh, I'll sleep well when I get home. That's all. That's all. Great. So, so you're, you're, you're in the UK. You're in, you, you came on and said, uh, something about London. You're in London. England? Well, I say London and we, we're about, um, 45 minute drive. Uh, it's South of us. So 45 minute drive South and we're in London. Gotcha. So, so your background in the industry of HVAC or hydronics, how you want to break that down for us? Well, I actually started out in marine engineering many years ago. Um, I was uh, more of a, um, well, let's say not such an academic during my school days. I was a bit of a naughty, naughty boy in the headmaster's office quite a lot. <laughs> and um, and like a lot of uh, young guys, I end up joining the military, which always is good for straightening up, straightening out young uh, young men. And uh, I joined the, the British Royal Navy, and I studied marine engineering. Uh, became a marine engineering mechanic in the Royal Navy, and uh, I did that for about five years. And when I came out, uh, I decided to look for sort of you know, various types of employment, and somehow uh, I fell into water treatment, um, working for a small company. And uh, and then uh, about the age of twenty five, I went self employed and developed my own company, um, working for contractors in particular, uh, offering all kinds of water treatment um, from sort of Legionella prevention, closed loop systems, acid descaling, and so on. Um, and it was actually doing the job kind of hands-on that, uh, later on allowed me to develop ideas. And from there, uh, decided to look at actually creating products as a, an OEM, um, but actually patent them as, you know, getting them in the patent office as well. So mm -hmm. we've got a range of, uh, of products that we launched, a particular one actually, which is a side stream filtration unit called the X-Pot. Um, and it's a very novel featured device, um, which we launched in the market back in 2013 originally. Uh, and it's the fastest growing product in its field now in the United Kingdom. And uh, we're seeing successes uh, in North America, Australia, uh, recently in Spain, uh, and some areas in Southeast Asia. So um, very much I came from the coal face up. I suppose is the best way to describe it. Um, but originally I was trained in various uh, mechanical um, fields, I suppose. Uh, we covered sort of pneum pneumatics, refrigeration. Uh, I was actually more of a diesel mech, you know, mechanic actually in the Navy. Um, so I had a quite a broad background to start with, but for the last well over 20 years I've been involved 
specifically in uh, in water treatment. But that co- comes with that uh, is the experience of working on uh, the construction site, understanding hydraulic systems, how they operate, um, and obviously the water treatment, water quality aspect that goes with it. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to I want to learn more about this XPOT thing. We'll maybe learn about that more towards the end. But I think we should talk about water treatment and why it's important inside hydronic systems like chiller systems, boiler systems, anything that's a closed loop that has, or even if we're introducing city water uh, on like a boiler system or, or whatever it may be, why is um, water treatment important? Who, who wants to tackle that one? Oh, Darren, I, I, heard, uh, I heard you. Darren or myself could go for it. Good, Darren. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's a very, very good question. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people, don't, uh, they overlook that question, believe it or not, and including design engineers. Uh, why it's important, it's the lifeblood of the system. Um, it's just as important as blood that flows through our bodies. If we have high cholesterol, uh, you know, the chemistry of our blood is incorrect. We get obviously unwell. And it's really kind of no different for a closed loop system. We're totally reliant on that fluid, uh, that thermal transfer fluid, let's say, uh, being pumped around that system at the, at the said or correct velocity uh, as per design to, you know, transfer heating or, or cooling to the building. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if it's overlooked, uh, it manifests into various kind of uh, issues, whether it be a pump seal failure, uh, whether it be you know, strainers begin to block, whether it's leaks, pinholing, and so forth. And actually, by the time you realize you've got a problem, uh, that boat's already sailed, uh, and it becomes very, very expensive to, to remedy those issues. So it's actually important to get, to get water treatment right from the very beginning, and that, that actually starts at design stage. So it's really important for consulting engineers to, to truly grasp um, sort of uh, the importance of water quality, water treatment. And I often, when I've, I've done sem- seminars to uh, consulting engineers, I say, how many people in the room know anything about water treatment? And it's very, very rare that you get a, a show of hands. I then go on and say, how many people have any you know, fish at home, any tropical fish? And uh, again, rarely a show of hands. And then I explain that if you go to a pet store and you decide you want to buy a tank and some tropical fish, you could do that, take it home, and probably in a matter of so many hours, you would have your fish in the tank swimming around. And I, and I say to people, that makes you a water treatment god. Um, you, you know, you're sustaining life. And, and, I, and I, the reason I say that is because it, it, I want to break it down that actually don't be scared about water treatment. I've got to learn chemistry. I've got to learn microbiology. Actually, we're talking about closed-loop systems. It, it's some simple um, good practice that just needs to be employed and that can um, make the difference between, um, you know, potential litigation through system damage Um and obviously ongoing energy costs or absorption of energy. Um, so yeah, that's why it's really 100%. important. Yeah, 100%. I, I can see that the um, the absorption of that the heat transfer really being lost too if the water is not treated and, and you have issues with the piping and they, they start to scale up and stuff. So Garrett, you want to you add to that a little bit? Yeah, actually about energy efficiency and, and reliability of the equipment is really a, a big deal. I, you know, there's many jobs. Now, again, Coming from a technical background, when I find a product and my company finds a product that we like to rep, that we represent, um, something sometimes stands out. And I go back to my history and, 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 you know, going back to the basics of the basics back whenever I was a young technician. And I think, man, when could I have used this product and how could I have used this product? 
Um, and how can I have used water treatment in the past? And, and how does it help? Um, but energy efficiency is really big um, uh, in what proper water treatment. Um, I, I actually have a customer recently that had, um, I want to say 106 water source heat pumps. It was a, a commercial apartment building and um, they were having problems with heat exchangers fouling up, replacing heat exchangers all the time, um, going off on high head pressure, all water source heat pumps. Um, and it's just the chemistry wasn't right. Um, I've seen it on boilers as well, where the chemistry is not right and heat exchangers fail prematurely. Um, so proper water treatment, you could look at it in a couple different ways, but I think it's more of an insurance policy than anything to ensure that you're going to have a good, reliable energy efficient system. No, no, it makes, makes, it makes total sense. So let's, let's say we install a boiler system. Um, okay. And then it's all piped in Be before we fill that thing up. What do, do we have to run? Like, cause I've been on jobs before where they've installed, um, this actually wasn't a boiler, but this was, this was chiller piping down to some fan coils. Chiller was up on the roof, the fan coils, this, I think this was like a 12 story building. The fan coils were down on the seventh floor and they ran the, the chiller piping up. Um, and then before we filled the, the, the system with the chilled water, they did a, a pre-treatment of the piping just to flush it. Is is that something that that is done on a regular basis as well, or should be done on a regular basis? Absolutely. Um, in fact, uh, it all starts with the very first drop of water that you put in that pipe. Um, any new system, first and foremost, should be designed for water quality. So that would mean that uh, you know fan core units, for example, should have the uh, facility to loop them out. Um, so therefore, when you first turn those system pumps on, uh, any construction debris is is adequately removed you know sent back to the strainer uh, or out during a flush but you certainly don't want to block that into the terminal unit so um, it's always advised to chemically clean pipe systems now there are some materials that have entered the market um, certainly here in the UK a, a very thin wall carbon steel um, that you can't be too aggressive so it's also important that if you're going to do a chemical clean you, you you're well aware of the materials in the system um, but absolutely, it's it's given a good cleanse, a good flush of the system, and in, more importantly as well, making sure that you've got the velocity correct velocity around the system during the clean. Uh, I would always advocate that actually mechanical cleansing through flushing and the right velocity to move any potential debris in the system is is, is paramount. Um, any kind of chemical addition thereafter. Um, absolutely makes sense if we've got some rust or mill scale in the system and obviously some biofilm if you fill that if you fill a system uh, some of these bigger jobs can be filled can be left you know a good couple of weeks you could have the lay down of a bacterial biofilm on the pipe wall as well so you know they may need to be looking at a biodispersant to break that up and some you know biocide to kill a bacteria so it's very very important um i think the other the other danger that or the other thing that people overlook is actually manufacturer's equipment that goes to site. Uh, fan core units may be wet tested, for example, and uh, in that time, you know, from the factory and then being installed, a biofilm again could occur. So actually the, the, the manufacturer's equipment could be the source of, let's say, contamination, a bit like giving the system a flu, you know, a virus. Um, so whenever you're doing any kind of treatment, it's important to understand you get that treatment around the whole system. Um, so, you know, but, but, but going back to what you said, when you, when you fill the system, uh, we had always advised that you 
you fill with treated water wherever you can some level of biocide that's kind of proportionally dosed uh, and hopefully as well some level of inhibitor just to protect you know just to protect the uh, the pipework when you say biofilm what what exactly do you mean by that so uh, examples i'll give is uh, I, don't know, I don't know if uh, if you have a dog or, or cats but um if you've if you've ever had pets or you know people pets sometimes uh, when you fill a pets bowl with water uh, i have dogs at home and i still make the same mistake sometimes you're in a rush you you see it's getting a bit empty uh, you give it a you know give a quick rinse and you fill it up again and then you decide when you do give it a clean you can feel this fine kind of slime on the inside of the mm-hmm. bowl yep um what that is is that uh, bacteria um as they form or as they uh, grow let's say um in in water uh, they lay down like an ecosystem on the pipe wall and adhere to a pipe surface wall and that is it's essentially like a jelly if you imagine a jelly type uh, product and uh if anyone's ever taken any strainers out they may be listening to this podcast uh obviously you get the magnetite you might find a heating system but potentially on particularly on chilled systems you'll have this very very slimy type product and that's essentially the the bacterials or the bacteria home that's protecting it from um, other elements and allows it to kind of um, consume its food, which is generally the, the minerals and even the pipework itself, iron. Um, so, so biofilm is, is often very much overlooked. People just focus on chemical cleaning for corrosion, but actually bacteria, and again, in chilled water systems, more so because of the temperature, cause a problem. Uh, as Garrett mentioned about heat pump systems, they actually operate at much lower temperatures, uh, and you can find some of these energy efficient uh, systems can be operating at at what is essentially incubation temperature for bacteria as well. So it's, it's funny that that, and as you're describing the biofilm, this vision comes into my head and and I've seen this and with air conditioning techs online that they pull this big ball of white slime out of an evaporator pan (laughs) that that's been collecting there for, for a while or out of the drain pipe or something like that. And, and I've seen and, I, and I've seen these discussions that with aluminum coils like a coils, and this is this is coming outside of the world of um, closed loop hydronics, but it just kind of it flows with this biofilm stuff. And a lot of techs say that it happens a lot more with with aluminum coils. Um, and then if you put like a piece of uh, copper pipe in the bottom of the pan, it actually helps rid of that it, because copper has some sort of. Um, uh, property in it that that breaks down this 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 biofilm or or white white sludgy stuff that that we're talking about. So have you yeah. ever heard of that, guys? Uh, well, certainly the use of copper. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it goes back to you know the Stone Ages. Copper as a as a sort of biocide or form of biocide. I mean, um, old witch doctors. I think back in the day, you know, if somebody was poorly, they would give them some copper to hold in their hand. Um, so copper and silver, in fact, uh, are good for killing bacteria. You know, in the right in the right um, environments, or when applied correctly. Interesting, interesting. So, so Garrett, so moving on from the flush and 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 getting rid of the um, that this this film or this biofilm that 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 comes in, like we want to maintain the system going forward. So, some of the ways that we can maintain the closed water loop system. How, how do we go about doing that? All right, so I got a little delivery last week, and what was in the box was a little kit that works in conjunction with your 
Yellow Jacket P51 digital manifold. Now what's in the kit? It is two Y-Jack dues, a Y-Jack path, and two temperature straps. These work with the Y-Jack View app, and they also uh, work with your P51 digital manifold. So the Y-Jack dues are basically digital psychrometers. You can take air property readings like temperature, percent RH, dew point, the temp straps, strap onto the suction line, liquid line, whatever, and then the path is basically a repeater for the signal. So if you're walking around a large structure or something like that, halfway in between, you drop the path there or you put it down and then that extends your range from the tools to your mobile device, which is pretty cool. So let's say you're troubleshooting a system. You can you can use the, the Y-Jack tools, the wireless tools, and you can see what's going on in your, in your P51 digital manifold or you can use the app. So these tools are available now and they're pretty cool because I got to play with them before they came out during some beta testing and and I really liked what I saw. The quality is there. There's there's not really any bugs that, that I found. Like we linked up right away. You walk away and, and lose. When you start to walk back, they link up right away. So it, it was a pretty cool experience getting to test them. So that is on the table for you guys if you're moving into the digital world. Viper something I don't talk about enough and something that I actually used last week when I tore apart a compressor just to get the oil and dirt and stuff off of my hands. So Viper has wipes, box of wipes. Um, I think there's about 40 in there. They're, they're waterless wipes. They also have moisturizers inside of them. So when you clean your hands, your hands actually feel soft afterwards. And they have this like ingrained gritty stuff. Um, I'm not really sure what it is, but it's ingrained through the, the towels and it helps to get all that stuff out of your hands. Your hands feel clean after, they feel smooth after, and they're, they're very good wipes, I gotta admit. They, they are very solid wipes. So, Company Cam I've been telling you guys about for a while now, basically GPS stamped photos. If you're in HVAC, if you're in electrical, if you're in plumbing, basically anything where you're creating a project and you want that project seen on several mobile devices or even a laptop or a, a stationary computer it, it's it's all done through through the app and the cloud and you just need to link to it and and that's it you can see what's going on on a particular project there is a 14 free a 14 day free trial right now uh, if you just click the link in the podcast notes that'll take you to the landing page where you get that 14 days for free Yeah, Gary, there's, there's a lot of different ways that you can go about doing that. And a lot of different manufacturers out there have different methods. Um, the one thing is maintaining water chemistry using uh, chemicals. Um, there's some non-chemical methods as well. Um, you know, companies like Taco Comfort Solutions, they make inline magnetic filters. Fernox um, makes different inhibitors and things that you can add to the closed loop system. Um, but, you know... Skidmore Pump, which is a company that um, my parent company actually owns, has this great product called the X-Pot, and it's through side stream filtration where it uses a combination of magnets, cartridge filters, and with proper water chemi- uh, chemical treatment, you can actually clean up a system pretty quickly. So there's, there's all kinds of different methods. Um, you know, a lot of times people always ask the question is, how does this, 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 this debris how does this biofilm, how does the magnetic sludge get into a system that's closed and closed off from the atmosphere? 
Um, you know, Darren can probably go into it better than I can as far as answering that question. But, you know, a lot of times you have makeup water that's coming in and that makeup water from the street or from your city water coming in already has some of this uh, lime scale in it that may cause additional problems. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. There's, there's um, a, a closed steam system that I take care of. And, and I know steam is a lot different than, than hydronics, but every, every time that the, the city water tank or every time that city water has to fill the, uh, the condensate tank back up if it's running low because there are vents around the building and it vents out some steam once in a while. So we lose some of that, some of that water. It, there's, there's chemical that when it starts to fill, it, it slowly pumps the chemical into that that holding tank that that gets filled with city water and it's probably along the lines of what you're saying to, to kill any 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 bacteria or anything in there that's going to cause a problem with within that steam boiler or steam system right so i mean the the x pot so so darren like what is the x pot and, and how does it how does it help with closed water systems and and, and clean them up and keep them clean um, well, it's essentially various products, uh, some of which Garrett was just describing, uh, combined into one, and and, and a patent has been uh, was lodged and granted. Um, it, if you imagine a, a shot feeder on a closed loop system, um, used and installed on many systems, are a way of getting these additives in the system. So the export gives you that that uh, that feature of adding uh, chemicals or treatment, mm-hmm. uh, but inside uh, there is a magnetic chamber. So in most uh, closed loop systems, you're going to find some level of magnetite, particularly on heating systems, uh, a lot of magnetite, which is the corrosion uh, byproduct of the metals in the system. And so a, a lot of work is, is captured in the magnetic chamber within the X-pot. Uh, and then the water flows from there into the second chamber, which uh, we have a cartridge filter on the first two models, um, high-density uh, cartridge filter. And the export um, then sits, if you imagine, on the side of the system. It's called side stream or slipstream filtration. And so it's not in line. So if the filter ever, become, ever becomes blocked, uh, it, it's not going to impact the actual system. Uh, you're not trying to, uh, and this is the beauty of the product, is you're not trying to design system pumps to, to overcome you know, the amount of pressure drop you're going to have if it was in line. Um, I've got some analogies I use or, or some expressions I use. Uh, you know, a, a strainer, people say to me, if I've got an X-pot, do I need a strainer? And my answer is always yes. Uh, you'll always need strainers. Strainers are there. They're in line. Uh, they catch your bricks. Dirt separators, uh, air separators, but dirt separators, they catch your, your M&Ms, for better of a word. Um, and then what's left is you're left with silt or sand, let's say. And that's really when you need filtration. Um, one of the issues... Uh, that many people have is that they select and specify standard bag filters, side stream filters known as filter feeders. Um, but unfortunately they've got a very a small surface area to capture uh, any debris. And of course, if you're not going back to site regularly to check them, and let's be honest in the real world, real world things don't always get checked and maintained as they should do. Uh, these things block. And so that suddenly compromises the water quality in the system because any fine particles going around the system um, will start to erode the internal of the pipe walls and any kind of chemical treatment uh, will become sort of null and void. So the export combines those sorts of technologies I just described, but it's all in one. So it makes it a simple retrofit product. Um, 
and which is why it's very, very, very popular here in the UK with national water treatment companies and uh, one of the world's largest water treatment companies, Nalco, um, are rolling it out and using it in Australia, for example. So I think that's that's testament to the product as well. It's actually being applied by the industry professionals. Um, mm-hmm. But it's uh, it's a neat little product. Um, I designed it. Uh, I actually had the idea in my head whilst adding chemical to a system back in 2003, uh, believe it or not. Um, and it was only some years later looking at products and, and it came back to me. Um, I always thought that if, you've, if you're engineering and designing a shop feeder uh, or, or what we call a dosing pot here in the UK onto a system, it's very much a waste of plumbing or engineering uh, just to have it there for that one function alone. So um, when the design of the X-Pot was put together, certain criteria it had to meet and one of them was that it's got to be a bit like the Duracell bunny of filtration this thing needs to be able to handle some serious conditions uh, without blocking because the chances are people are not going to go back to site as often as they should but it's also an integral and important part of the hydronic system for all the things we were just talking about of what can go wrong if you have you know a lack of inhibitor or, or lack of biocide treatment uh, you're going to start getting issues in the system but it's by no means uh you know, one size fits all for problems in systems. Um, you still will always need some level of chemical intervention uh, in a closed loop system. But in terms of mechanical cleanliness, uh, the export has been seen time and time again to help clean up problem uh, systems, kind of restore problem systems, which is why you know we recommend it's installed at the front end rather than wait for the problems because you've already thrown a huge amount of money down the pan at that point. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so so you can add it. Like uh, as an afterthought, just if you have a system that's starting to cause you problems, it can be an afterthought, right? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It can. Okay. It can it's very simple to retrofit. About seventy percent in the UK of, of installations are retrofit, uh, or, or not necessarily because there's a problem, but because they've had one problem on one site. A customer decides I'm going to put this across my full, you know, portfolio rather than wait for that problem to occur. Um, but it's it's a heavily specified product here in the UK. Um, uh, for, for that reason as well. Mm-hmm. I, I would, and, and, uh, sorry, I would, go on, uh, go on, yeah, Garrett. No problem. I would say that um, in the in the U.S. and North America, um, the majority of, of the I'd say sixty percent of the expots I actually sell are used to replace a, a typical uh, shot feeder. Um, it's just an easy, simple replacement. Um, you know, Gary, being an HVAC technician, you know that. Most of these facility managers, they, they forget about things a lot of times in a mechanical room. You have, you have pumps, you have boilers, you have chillers, but sometimes those little filter feeders just get forgotten about. And, um, you know, I, I think the lack of maintenance and things like that happen and, and, and they just don't remember that there's a filter in there. Um, so it's really a great alternative because it really stands out. It's a beautiful product. It's, it's polished stainless steel, so it, it's not easily missed in a mechanical room and you know what it is when you see it. Yeah. And, and I was going to ask you, and maybe you can answer this, Garrett. So um, Darren was saying it's, it's not in line. So obviously it's piped off in, in parallel, in parallel fashion. So can we, when we pipe that off, do we, can we add isolation to it and then just shut the isolation down and service it if need be? Yes. Yeah, ser- yeah. Servicing is very simple. Just uh, there's actually, it comes with actually two valves on it already that you can isolate. Gotcha. Um, and all you'll all you need to do is pipe it around the pump. So one on the suction side, one on the discharge side of the pump. Usually, how a typical chemical feeder, pot feeder is. So as far as servicing it goes, what sort of service 
or maintain, maintenance or maintaining of the X-Pot do we need to do? Well, that's that's the question always depends on how dirty your system is to start with. Okay. So um, I found from different applications that, that I've been involved with that, you know, if a system's really dirty and starts off dirty, you usually start off with a higher or a, a, a hundred micron cartridge filter in the X-Pot. Um, and you change it every three months or as, as needed. Typically, we like to put pressure gauges on each side to see if there's a change in pressure differential. If there's a change and you realize that the filter's plugged, then you can change it, clean it, uh, wash off the magnets, and then put it back together again. I'd say the whole service process probably takes less than five to 10 minutes. Wow. So it's really simple to do. Okay. Does it have like a... Does it have like an air bleeder on it or anything like that, just in case you get any air in there? Or obviously you're going to get air if you got to open it up. Yeah, so the X-Pot has uh, actually a couple different components on it. It actually has a funnel for you to put chemical in with a check valve in it. Um, It does have an air vent, so it acts as a a non-inline air separator, so not not an inline air separator. Gotcha. Um, So it does have an air vent. Um, swing bolts on the lid. So it's really simple. You don't have to worry about losing any bolts or, or, or nuts. You just loosen them and it swings off and gives you access to the, to the magnetic grid, which sits on top at the very top of the filter. Sounds very interesting for sure. <clears throat> and so how do we like, how do we see pictures or is there pictures or videos or, or, um, or any sort of information online that someone can go out and watch a, a tutorial or an install or anything like that? Yeah, I have a lot on LinkedIn on some of the jobs that I did, and so does Darren. Uh, we have a lot of videos on servicing, cleaning, um, also some of the results that you might see. Um, I have Instagram, so uh, Pump Guy is uh, where you'll see some of the pictures and things of, of the X-Pot, some of the different uh, results. Uh, we like to get good pictures of, of results after they happen just to be able to show the sludge. And a lot of times it, the sludge looks pretty bad. <laughs> and it's amazing how after uh, three months of being in operation, that how that slowly changes. And I, I do have a few filters on there and pictures of filters on there that are progressive throughout a year and show how clean the system has gotten to a point to where you can let a filter go for six months, maybe even longer, and, and maybe only do it biannually instead of quarterly. You should have told me you were on Instagram. I would have been following you <laughs> at, at, at pump guy. Yeah, pump guy. Uh, yeah, I, actually, I just started back up on Instagram. So um, I've had my personal account for a while, but I tried to get one that's just primarily for for work related things. So, gotcha, gotcha. Um, Darren, is there any is there any YouTube videos that you've done on these that that somebody can go check out or anything like that? Um, well, actually, we have done quite a lot of videos, um, but YouTube is something we, I think we've been a bit of the stone ages, to be honest, here in the UK, and not, not the UK in its whole, but certainly for, for, for Vexo. Um, but we are about to launch a new website, and that includes a lot of YouTube. Uh, Garrett recently done a video, but uh, we need to, we're looking to sort of set up a YouTube channel. I know how crazy that might sound that we haven't got one uh, that we use actively. Um, so I think maybe, uh, in fact, Garrett, maybe I'll throw you all the videos and perhaps you can load them up to yours. <laughs> uh, with, yeah, get- the, with the whole COVID crisis, I've become really good at using a video editor and doing sales videos from my basement. So I had to think of a new way to, to approach customers since we couldn't visit them at their offices anymore. So, so yeah. <clears throat> so uh, th- what uh, can we put this on any type of hydronic system? Is there limitations or just if it's closed water? We can we can slap it on there. Uh, well, there is a temperature limitation, um, 
Okay. So 200 degrees Fahrenheit is, is sort of the max uh, temperature. Uh, we, we would recommend you obviously use, or you, you should use the product too uh, in terms of temperature. Um, and pressure comes into it as well. But we have a, a range of products that, that cope with various pressures. Um, so, so, I mean, pretty much there is – we have a range of products that fits all kinds of systems, and they can be a, a closed-loop uh, hydronic heating, cooling, uh, and in many cases, process. We've got uh, Xbox installed on process uh, systems for uh, you know, chocolate factories. And, um, in fact, uh, one was even installed on a process cooling system for the wind turbine, a big, huge wind turbine gearbox uh, for testing wind turbine blades. So um, if it's a closed-loop system, uh, if the temperature is below 200 degrees Fahrenheit, um, we, we, we can, you know, we've got an X-pot for that. Yeah, two hundred degrees is, is is quite high. Like, I mean, we we get cold here. Um, we get really cold here at times, and and I th I think most of the boilers I work on, closed loop systems. I mean, they're the max you're going to see is like one hundred and sixty five degrees Fahrenheit because the the limits are set around one hundred and eighty. And I mean, if it gets drastically cold, then you might have to bump them up a little bit. But it's it, that would be that wouldn't be like a, on, on a, on a regular case. Right. So, I mean, if, if it hits those temperatures for an hour or so, I mean, we might be okay. Is, is, is that, is that feasible to say? Yeah. As you said there, I mean, getting over 200 degrees, the, the reason we say that the unit will actually take more, um, but it's more from a health and safety perspective when you're, when yeah. you're running that sort of temperature, if somebody decides, Hey, I'm going to depressurize the X pot and, and, you know, take off the lid. Uh, you know, we don't want flashing off in someone's face. Um, yeah, and, and yes, it's more the health and safety that it will take more than that, the actual component, mm -hmm. but that's why we put a limit on it. Well, yeah, it makes sense for that, for the, that, that's why McDonald's wrote, um, coffee is hot <laughs> a bunch of years ago on, on their coffee cups, because I think somebody put a lawsuit against McDonald's because they got burnt by the hot coffee that they just purchased. So yeah, no, no, it, make, it makes sense to, to do that for everybody's safety because there's, um, these are the trades, right? And people can go into mechanical rooms. They might be thinking about one thing and, and doing another. And, and that's how people end up getting hurt is because they're, they're multitasking. So the safer we are, the better. So it's, it's good that you, you, you did that for sure. So any, any, um, I did want to ask you, we were talking about inhibitors earlier and, and inhibitors being in a system, like what does, since, since we're on this topic of closed loop systems and how to keep them clean and maintain them, what does an inhibitor do? Because I, the reason why I ask is because sometimes I got to add some some glycol to a chiller system that I work on. Um, it, it's got a fill tank that if somebody bleeds some air or, or whatever, then it automatically pumps a little bit of glycol back in. And I buy the inhibited glycol. So what does that inhibitor do in, in a system for everybody listening? Yeah, so um, I generally describe it simply as if you imagine a, a piece of metal that you were going to leave outside. You know, you've 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 I don't know wire brushed a sheet sheet metal. You've given it a wire brush, and you're ready to paint it, but you don't paint it. If you go out there the next well, not even the next day, within a matter of uh, you know, certainly in a matter of I think hours, you, you're going to have flash corrosion, uh, which anyone would understand. So what would we do is we'd clean it back again, and then we put a priming coat on it. And then you put your top coat of paint. Well, we can't do that in a closed loop system. Um, obviously, it's full of water and it's circulating. So the way we approach it is we use something called inhibitors. Now, inhibitors are there to control corrosion and also to control uh, scale. 
So they're made up of different chemical compounds, and each one of those compounds will have you know, a diff different function. Um, so let's say you fill a system with hard water in a very hard water area. Providing you've got enough uh, inhibitor in the system, and obviously it's a, a good quality inhibitor that, uh, for that matter, um, what that will do is that will prevent the scale from bonding, uh, collecting and bonding, and then precipitating onto the heat exchange uh, or point of heat exchange surface. Um, and in terms of corrosion, what happens is an inhibitor will naturally, if you imagine putting an inhibitor into a system that's, say, I don't know, 10 years old, water quality looks clear, it's been there for years. As soon as you put inhibitor in the system, you wonder what's gone wrong. I've got uh, dirty pump seals. That's because an inhibitor is designed to lift gently what's ever laying on the pipe surface. And like I said about a primer, it lays a microscopic film um, on the pipe wall in the closed loop system. So that's why it's important that before you even put an inhibitor in the system, you've cleaned that system thoroughly um, and you've given it a good clean, flushed out the cleaning agent, but you don't leave it too long before you put the inhibitor in. So it, it acts as a barrier on the pipe wall against oxygen uh, and the sort of environment that uh, not just oxygen, but the electrolytic action that's taking place, the chemical reactions that take place. It acts, if you imagine, as a sort of a barrier between the two. So that's why it's important to always have a good level of inhibitor. Uh, people make the mistake that it's a closed loop system. I've dosed it once. I never need to worry again. Well, actually, because of the reactions that are taking place in a closed loop system, your inhibitor will deplete. So it's important, uh, ideally, every three months minimum, I would say, to just check your closed loop system. Um, I've never known a closed loop system that, that doesn't leak <laughs> or doesn't have makeup water going to it. Um, mm -hmm. And as I understand in the, in the United States and in Canada, uh, my trips over there, um, a lot of systems are filled directly from uh, town mains water, city water, fire uh -huh. sort of pressure reduction valve and non-return valve uh, perhaps. But the risk there is that how do you know you've got a leak? Um, and if you have got a leak, you're introducing lots more oxygen and your inhibitor your inhibitor level and your glycol levels are going to drop significantly. That's right. If glycol drops below 25%, it becomes essentially a food source for bacteria. So now bacteria are eating your biofilm, uh, your, sorry, your, uh, your glycol. Um, and the bacteria are coming in off the town's main. They're coming at a very, very low level. But any bacteria, if you put it in the right environment, particularly stagnant conditions more so, at the right temperature, it will proliferate, you know, uh, a logarithmic rate. So you know, what, you, what we may think is a tinsy, you know, little leak on, the, on a closed-loop system, you're, you're, you're giving it a cold every time, and that, that gets worse. So it's important to keep systems um, – Maintain inhibitor levels, maintain pressure, maintain circulation, uh, maintain water cleanliness, i.e. with filtration. Um, in the same way that we would approach having our, our car, uh, Garrett touched on, you know, uh, dirty oil in an engine. You know, we all understand that we change the oil as, it, as and when we've hit the certain miles on the engine, we get the oil changed. Um, but we also know that if, as long as you change the oil regularly and you, you don't leave your car sat on the drive for too long, you keep things moving, uh, it's going to serve you well. And, and closed loop systems are very much like that. Um, so sorry, I hope that answers the question anyway. Oh, no, it, it does. And and I didn't know, and, and I'm, I'm glad I asked you that because I didn't know that if you add an inhibitor to a system that's never had it in there before and it's kind of, um, it, it's not the cleanest, I didn't know that that inhibitor will actually extract the um, the contaminants off off the, the pipe walls and, and bring it back. It almost reminds me of, and if I can um parallel this to 
um, refrigeration or air conditioning. It's like uh, POE oil. If if you have a system that has mineral oil and it's been running and somebody's brazed up, up that system without flowing nitrogen through it, you have a you have carbon buildup on the side the inside of the pipe. And if if you were to re- replace the compressor for some odd reason, if it fails and then the new one has POE oil in it, that POE acts kind of like a detergent and it, it'll grab all that that carbon that's left in the system and it'll bring it back to whatever small um opening like a a filter dryer or a valve or something and get it clogged up there so it i just wanted to parallel that for for the the ac and refrigeration mines out there but it 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 just it hit it hit that note for me when you said that and i didn't know that so i i'm glad you i'm glad i asked (laughs) no 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 probably uh I, i was on a visit in uh in maine probably about two years ago when i came across over the pond and um i met with uh I met with um, a college. It was a huge college, but I met with a maintenance guy there, and uh, we went down into the boiler room. And it was the summer, so everything was shut down. Um, and again, this is a mistake um, or, or an oversight. People don't realise. Uh, hey, it's the summer. Let's shut the heating down. And I always explain to people that a closed loop system, let's say in this case a heating system, in the winter you're running it. It's a chemical reactor, and in the summer when you shut it down. It's uh, it becomes an incubator, and there's a product called sodium nitride. That's an inhibitor, and it's very very popular by water treatment contractors. Um, it is very effective uh, pacifying uh, pacifying uh, metal surfaces, particularly hard metal surfaces. Uh, aluminum doesn't like it really. Well, it doesn't like it at all. But the problem is it's, it feeds bacteria. So fine in the winter when the temperatures up, the bacteria struggle to survive. But you shut that system down. Um, you wonder where all your inhibitors gone by the end of, uh, you know, come fall when you're ready to, to run the, the systems up again, you think I've got no inhibitor. And of course, when most pump seal failures happen, it's generally around about, you know, uh, October time, um, when everyone's turning everything back on again and, and you've lost all your inhibitor. So guess what? They put more inhibitor in and, and as we just discussed, uh, you actually release more problems. So if you left the pumps running, would that solve that then? Yeah, you don't have to leave them. It would to a degree. You don't have to leave pumps running uh, constantly necessarily, but if you've got the control mechanism, that you could cycle the pumps and not just pumps. I mean, even control valves, if you imagine sort of, I don't know if you've got actuated PICV valves, things like that. So just again, going back to the analogy of the car, um, you know, you want to keep things moving. Same as a human body. If we sit in a chair and we don't move and we suddenly get up and we feel stiff, um, I'm trying to pass that, that analogy across to a, a closed loop system, keep things moving, put it into the building management system. If you can, uh, some control sequence to, you know, spin the pumps over, alternate the pumps, avoid stagnation. Um, it certainly is going to go a long way. Well, that's that's some good information. There, there's actually one building that uh, I I take care of many many years ago. Myself and the maintenance um, tech were, were like, uh, we decided to leave the pumps on. This is a boiler system. We we decided to leave the pumps on when the 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 winter season was over because what would happen is every time we'd start them up, not every time, but this would happen on occasion that the seals, the the, the mechanical seals in the pumps would leak. And I, I don't know if they were drying out or what it was, but ever since we left them on, we've had zero leaks, mechanical seal leaks. And this has been like 10 years for like this for now. Yeah. And, and it'd be for that reason. Um, it's why so many people, even, you know, homeowners here in the UK, uh, it's, it's natural. We turn our heating off uh, throughout the summer. 
spring and the summer um and you know boiler uh, maintenance engineers are never busier than when everyone first tends on their equipment um and that's because the system uh water quality has, has, has depleted the pumps turn on and obviously everything that's been going on microbiologically around the system that also induces corrosion is suddenly moving all that deposit around the system um so and again that's where the export comes into maintaining clear water quality around the system mm-hmm. yeah I, I recently wrote an article on linkedin that actually discusses this very topic gary it's about um i'd it, love to hear it let's 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 hear it well it, 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 if you check it out on linkedin uh, under my uh, account you could actually see i discuss how the covid shutdown actually could actually affect the system because there was a lot of places that were mothballed for a while. People were moved out. People weren't doing proper maintenance. And it was, it was about different maintenance, uh, about returning to the normal once we're done with the whole COVID outbreak. So um, it's really a cool, cool article I wrote. Just check it out um, whenever you have some time. No, I, I definitely will. And, and everybody else should too. So that, that begs this question. For anybody that that has shut down their business, went home, they're working from home, and they have these mechanical systems that's been ignored, that that's probably a bad idea, right? They should have maybe somebody periodically come in and check on these things and, and do some routine maintenance, right? Because, I mean, we, we don't want to go four, five, six months with zero maintenance. We come in, and now now things are breaking down and not working properly. And now nobody's been working and making, well, I shouldn't say nobody's been working, but a lot of companies have seen a reduction in revenue because of this. Now, now that now they're going to have to spend all the, this big chunk of dough on their systems that they haven't been maintaining. So it's probably best to to keep these things running at peak performance, even though everybody's working from home, kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of deferred maintenance going on, and and still is, and you know that that always just adds up to to being a big bill later on. Um, you know, I, I think every pump manufacturer out there recommends that at least a pump be hand rotated if it's going to sit idle for more than a few weeks. Um, just as simple as turning the shaft by hand um, mm-hmm. to help create any of that oxide that might have you know, started to develop in there uh, when it's not spinning or, or any of the uh, dissolved solids that might have settled um, you know, the bump of system and just to, just to get the flow going again and, and start, start moving again. Um, but water treatment too, that's just, it's just another thing that needs to be checked and confirmed to, to make sure, you know, maybe you did have a leak somewhere in the system and no one's noticed for, for months. Um, maybe you, maybe you lost some glycol. Um, so those are some, just some, some little areas where you could check the, the, the sea and, you know, do a visual inspection, um, do a, do an actual inspection of, of actually testing the water quality. Um, all those little things add up and uh could help prevent a, a really big uh bill down the road oh uh, yeah a hundred percent and and i'm glad that uh, most of my customers are still opening and running and they're allowing us to go in and maintain stuff but there there's some that have been closed for a long time so i'm just like dreading going in there and seeing what what sort of state everything's in once i get back but anyway guys this this has been great um i learned a ton of stuff and um this expot thing or design or, or filtration. So what, what do you call it? Like it's, do you call it a water, um, treatment? Like what do you, what do you call it? What do you guys call it? Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's the brand is the expot, but, uh, we describe it. Um, it, it's, it covers, it's an all in one dirt and air separator, magnetic filter, 
Um, okay, that's what I was getting at. Yeah, Gary, do you do you carry a Leatherman tool on you? I I don't. Um, I'm I'm a little jealous because I see everybody else carrying one, and and I should probably get one. Well, it, basically, an XPod is a multi tool. So okay, like a leather Leatherman, but it's basically does everything you need. Okay. when it comes yeah. to water filtration. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to know, like, what 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 you guys. I know it was the XPod, but what what when you were talking about the XPod, like what actually it it is but it's a multi-tool and and you guys just explained that right there so very cool is there a website we can go to have a look at some more stuff more yeah, info? yeah if you'd like to learn more um as far as emerson swan goes and, and things like that emersonswan.com or you could check out the expot directly on skidmorepump.com um darren i think you got time for a shameless plug here with vexo yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, Vexo uh, Int dot com is the is 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 over this side of the pond. Um, that's that's us there. Perfect. All right, guys. Well, that that was um, that was awesome. That's a wrap, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you, Gary. I was just going to say, actually, um, another topic that may be of interest to you uh, to consider. Sure. We were talking sure. about buildings that have been shut down for ages. I think the next biggest issue after COVID is actually Legionella. I don't know if you guys have been made aware of that much uh, in the states. We haven't. We haven't. We haven't had any real discussions on the podcast about Le- Legionella at all. It was just just an idea for yourselves. Um, if you've got a water treatment company like Nalco or someone, you might be able to get a guest speaker. Um, I, I think that's going to be a very, very strong topic because there's going to be a lot of people exposed to potential Legionella, not not COVID, uh, if uh, building owners don't um, essentially recommission their buildings correctly. And that includes uh, what we call disinfecting the domestic water supplies, you know, hot and cold. That's, that's a very, <clears throat> that's actually a very good point. And um, if you guys know somebody that can speak to that, they're more than welcome to get on the podcast <laughs> and have a discussion with me. No problem. Might, I'll um, I'll I'll reach out to some people I know in the states, and if they're interested, I'll put them over to Garrett, uh, to Garrett, and, and over to yourself. Oh, perfect. I appreciate that. No, thank you for having me on, uh, and thank you, Garrett, for for obviously inviting me across. No, oh, well, thank you, Gary. I appreciate having us on too. I know we this has been a a couple months now since we talked last back in November, and I I'm sorry, I apologize. I procrastinated so much, <laughs> but uh, that's. Uh, that that's okay, man. I I you know me told you know me people I've told I'll I'll have a beer with them and that was like three years ago and I still haven't had a beer with them yet. It's just one of those things. Everybody gets busy, and we all have our own lives to lead. And I mean, we all got to focus on our own profession and our own families and just everything outside of that. If we get to it, is is a complete bonus. So, again, guys, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time tonight. Thank hey, you, thanks, Gary. Take care. Take care. All right. So that was some good info. We learned some stuff there about treatments inside systems um keeping pumps on or 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 running pumps periodically at certain times during a shutdown right might help keep your system a little bit more healthy these are some tips that we picked up on during during this podcast and that expot thing seems pretty cool i've looked at a bunch of pictures online and i've seen some some real nice photos of what it does to clean up a system so I suggest if you guys want to learn something, check out something new that you've never heard of or seen before, I would check that X-Pod out because it does look pretty cool. Anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in once again. I'm out. Happy HVACing. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know-It-All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, 
LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.